Sean and his family's in a great state, a great country of Canada, I guess. So uh, I'll be teaching tonight and Sunday morning, <clears throat> uh, chapter, uh, lesson number 11. I hope tonight to get through page 27, and then Sunday on page 28 we'll get into a lot more details on examples. I've got a few examples tonight, but basically Sunday we'll do, we'll do quite a bit of that. A lot of religious disagreements, discussion, error, ever how you would like to say that, center around not what the Bible says. The Bible's pretty easy to understand. It centers a lot of times around what the Bible doesn't say. And then the question becomes, as Sean entitled it here, and I like it, is the silence of God permissive or is it restrictive? Churches have divided over that. The Church of Christ has divided over that in the past, over the last hundred years. And um, it's all based on what the Bible, at least in most of it, what the Bible does not say. And they say, people say, that if it doesn't say not to do it, then we, you have the permission to do it. I think after we, hopefully after tonight and after Sunday particularly, <clears throat> we, we should see, hopefully we'll see, and hopefully you've done all your homework, um, that, that's, that that's not true. Can anybody give me, before we get into the Bible, Give me an example in real life where silence on a matter, it could be at school, it could be with your parents, it could be with your wife, it could be or whatever. Give me an example on, on where silence is not permission. Anybody think of anything, Lance? I didn't think of that one. I have several listed. That wasn't one of them, but I like it. In case you didn't hear, <clears throat> Lance said the tax code. The tax code give us, gives us specifics. It gives us specifics on what you can deduct legally from your taxes. What if you fill out your taxes and you say, well, the tax code didn't say I couldn't. I couldn't uh, deduct this. The next thing you'll hear is this. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in, in real life. I like that one. I did not think of that. So that's awesome. Any, any, another one where maybe your parents, parents didn't, they didn't tell me not to do it. What did they do in a lot of cases? They told you what to do. And when, when people tell you what to do, and, and God is the same way in his Bible, it uh, restricts or forbids, if you like, um, everything else. Everything else. Anybody have another one? We'll do one, maybe one more example of that. Okay, that, that's cool. Um, I told Greg tonight uh, when he loaded my slides for me, I only have two, I said, if I get a bunch of stairs, now you raise your hand, jump in. All good. 
Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. God says this, or Moses, God through Moses says it. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Words of this law. Uh, another place, uh, God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And God's very specific in Old Testament and New, a lot in the New as well, that, that he tells us what we need to know. Remember in the military, you were told what you needed to know, and they were very quick to, to point that out. And if you didn't need to know it, guess what? You weren't told it. And you did your job with the information that you had. So I think we see, I think we see that um, <clears throat> even from a common sense perspective. We'll look at what the, uh, some Bible examples, uh, some Bible examples here in a minute. If you would, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but it's depending on our, our time. Go to Exodus 26 and verse 30. Exodus 26 and verse 30. And we know what's going on there. Getting ready to build the tabernacle. Getting ready to build the tabernacle. <clears throat> and God told um, Moses, he goes into tremendous detail. Tremendous detail. And you shall raise up the tabernacle according to the pattern. What's a pattern? A plan? A template? A design? I like that. Design. Uh, God says, you do it according to my design, my pattern, my template. In other words, you're going to do it my way. And I've specified, I've specified the way I want you to do it. By definition... That deletes everything else. If he said he wanted it sewn with blue thread, he didn't say we couldn't sew it with red thread or green thread or whatever. Uh, red thread eliminates all the other threads. And he does mention, I think red may be one of them, I can't remember the color, blue I believe. Uh, the different threads, all of the loops, so many loops and, and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, in Hebrews 8 and verse 5, we just met, finished uh, he, the book of Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews 8 and verse 5. Remember in, the, in this uh, uh, chapter 7 and chapter 8, it's talking about the, the priesthood, the high priest, um, uh, where you know the, the priest came from the tribe of Levi and, and so on. In, um, in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5, he's recounting what Moses said there. He said, see that you make all things according to the pattern just as you were shown on the mountain. If you drop over to chapter 7, the Lord was from what, what tribe? What tribe was Jesus from? Judah. What tribe did God specify, specify, <clears throat> command, uh, that, the, that the priests come from? Levi. Therefore, 
what if uh, you were from the tribe of Issachar? They got good men too. They might like to be a priest. God didn't say they couldn't come from Issachar. No, he specified Levi. That by definition leaves out everything else. Jesus, notice in verse 14, Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Could he have been a, high, a priest, a high priest, under the old Mosaic law? He could not. Why? Because uh, God specified the tribe of Levi. Look in verse 14 of chapter 7, Hebrews. This is, make sure you highlight this kind of stuff in your Bible. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, off which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. He didn't have to say, you can't come from Judah, whatever. God spoke, and they had no right to come from these other 11 tribes. Why? Because God specified what tribe. There's no liberty. Now, when you go to Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8, hopefully you have a study on that one day, on the liberty uh, in the New Testament. And we do have liberty. Sean's touched on those. God lets us use our own brain on a lot of things. But when he specifies how to do something, that's the way you do it. So even Jesus himself could not have been a high priest under the old law because he came from the tribe of Judah. Came from the tribe of Judah. Everybody see that? Any questions or comments on that? Anything, uh, Lance? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't good enough to actually say that you were from that land. You actually had to have the, the formal documentation. Yeah. Ron, you're helping me there? Credentials. It was the credentials, yeah. And, and so even if he said it, you actually had, the written, had to have the written credentials. Yeah, uh, that, that's a good one. I hadn't thought about that one either, but, but that's a good one. <clears throat> Remember, go to Numbers chapter 9. Very important Old Testament principle here that corroborates what we're talking about. The, the Passover was supposed to be uh, done on the 14th day of the first month. God specified it. Now, what did that exclude by definition? Everything else. Ah, some people came to Moses, and they said, wait, uh, what if I touched a dead body during that time? Can I take the Lord, uh, uh, Lord's Supper? Can I take the Passover? Or what if I'm on a far journey, couldn't get back in time to, to um, uh, participate in the first month of the 14th day? And you know what Moses said? I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll ask God himself. And he asked God that. And God, and what, you might remember what God said? Yes, I have an exception for that. I didn't before you ask. But I'm going to specify an exception to that. If you've touched a dead body, 
Remember, under those laws, you were unclean for seven days, I believe. Um, so they, they lost my train of thought there for a second. That happens when you get to be 65. Wait, what? So God said, if you're provident, we call it providentially hindered. They're on a long journey, couldn't get back in time. Yes, I, you did touch a dead body on the 14th day of the second month. 30 days later, I will make this exception, this allowance, maybe allowance is a better word, uh, uh, assuming you did not act, uh, literally um, blow all this off intentionally. In other words, you were hindered from doing that. Then you can take the Passover on the second month on the 14th day. But how did they know that? God spoke it. God spoke it. Well, I'm away again. And I can get back by the third month on the 14th day. I'll take it then. Could you do that and live? Probably not under, under that law. You, you could not. So that was, <clears throat> we might call it a, second Passover opportunity, and God made that exception, but he spoke it through Moses, and therefore it was okay. But they had no right to do that uh, uh, by being presumptive, being presumptive. Everybody see that? Have any questions or comments? Raise your hand. It's all good. There are no dumb questions. Might be a dumb answer, but there's no question, no dumb questions. Young people, does that make... <clears throat> some some logical, <clears throat> some scriptural sense to you, okay? Second Samuel seven and verse seven. It's not in your notes. Second Samuel seven and verse seven. David, the great King David, a man after God's own heart, living in luxury. So a bright idea comes to him. He says, you know, I will, um, why don't we make God a house? Why don't we build God a house, a, a temple? We call it a house. Why don't we do that for him? Is that a noble thought? It's a very noble thought. How did God receive that through the prophet Nathan? He said, you go tell David. Look, look in uh, Look in 2 Samuel 7 and verse 7. Anybody there? Want to read that? 2 Samuel 7 and verse 7. Read it loudly. I got it. Go ahead, Rick. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribe of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? God said, Have I ever asked you to do that? What's the, what's the rhetorical answer? No. No. So therefore, there's no house being built. And he said, David, you for, for several reasons, one, he was a man of war, a man of blood. He said, now your son will. In fact, that same chapter, as you go on a little further, says, but your son Solomon will build me that house. But he commanded him to build the house and how to build it. But David, David's going... It sounds like a good idea to me. You know that's a good thing. 
Well, it may be a good logical thing in our mind. God says it's not a good thing. Because I did not command it. He said, did I ever speak a word to you about that? No. Go ahead, uh, Ryan. He didn't build it. But he got everything ready to go. Yep. I mean, like got, he after God gave, uh, gave the go-ahead to build it and told who was going to build it, right. he gathered some of the things. But did he build it? He did not build it. Now, let's go to a New Testament one. Acts 15 and verse 24. We know uh, the great book of Acts, Acts 15, we know it's a question of circumcision. We've, we've known that since we were... Teenagers, about circumcision. The story here is that the Jewish Christians were causing a problem. And they gave the, I guess you could say, commandment that you know, you've got to be circumcised also to be saved. Look in verse... 24, what did, what did Paul say about that? Now, remember, it's Antioch, Jerusalem, back and forth. Since we have heard that some, some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law. And then hyphen, Paul says, to whom we gave no such commandment. They were taking a lot on themselves to say that you need to keep the law as far as the circumcision part goes, and they were troubling the Christians. <coughs> Paul says, we never said one word about sending anybody out to say that. So he said, we didn't give any such commandment. What does that say about, is God's silence restrictive or is it permissive? Restrictive. And, and these, these things go on and on. We're going to look at, look at a lot of them because I don't see any hands, hands yet. Um, how, did, how did God close the New Testament? The very last chapter. said if anybody adds to this book, the, word, the words of this book, I will add to him the plagues that are, that are written. If anyone takes away what I've written here, what I've told, commanded to be written, I will take his name out of the book of life. That's how God closes his, his word in the book of Revelation. The last words that he spoke, inspired words that's in the canon, the New Testament canon. Don't add to what I say. Don't take away from what I say. Because there are consequences for both. Questions, thoughts, comments? Go ahead, Joan, because it's getting uncomfortable.
You know, God didn't say gambling was wrong. Find where the word gambling's in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Not there. But he specified the principles that you know, work with your own hands, learn to lead a quiet, peaceable life, work with the sweat of your brow, um, do things all honest in the sight of all men. Boom, boom, boom. He didn't say not to gamble. No, but he said what to do to make an honest living. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. Can you imagine, oh, that's a good one. Can you imagine how, book the, how big the book would be? How big the Bible would be? It would not fit in this room. An old friend of ours, long dead now in Kentucky, we were first married. He said, you know, Mitch, he said, the Bible is not a naughty book. I know. It's a Kentuckyism. But it's not a naughty book. Don't you not, 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 can't do this, can't do that. This thing literally would not fit in this room. God specifies it. We do it. Now, look at Acts 11. Now, let's get more. Let's bring it on home here. Acts 11. Remember that there was a, a great dearth or a drought, some versions may say. Um, and they came from, uh, some prophets came down from Jerusalem, from Antioch. And there were brethren who were suffering, suffering the effects of this drought. Being a Christian does not mean you're not going to suffer. They were suffering effects of the drought. Now notice, notice in verse, uh, well, start in 28, doesn't matter. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. That's verifiable through secular history. Then the disciples, who, 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 is, who are we talking to here? disciples, Christians, each according to his ability, that's a, that's a biblical principle in New Testament, determined to send relief to the whole world. Is that what it says? Christians determined to send relief to other areas to Christians. Now, with all we've been talking about here, what, what does that mean from a permissive, restrictive? They're talking about the group here. As individuals, that's a whole different deal. What does that mean? Christians are to send relief. We've done that here many times. The brethren around the world send relief to Christians, to disciples. Now, based on this permissive, restrictive, there are others. This is just one. Uh, what, what does that tell us to do with our funds that are collected? He said, when I come, collect all this up. And there's other places that tell us what they did. Uh, where, does our, where does the church money go to if someone's in hell? To Christians. And not only that, who is that money sent to? The elders of that church. Wait a minute. What if, I, what if we wanted to send it to the Red Cross? They'll take their cut. And then we send it to the Society 
in Texas, they take their cut. Is, is that what God said to do? He said, you collect it, you send it all. And you send it to the elders to distribute. Why? Why the elders? Who are they? Shepherds of that church. And who should know the needs of every single person in that church? Who should know? The elders. You see the wisdom of God in all of this? We complicate it by setting up all these agencies. Is there anything wrong with an orphan's home? Absolutely not. Can we send money as individuals to an orphan's home? Absolutely. Can we adopt orphans? Absolutely. Should we? Probably we should. If you can, you should do it. Should we send it to an agency? The International House of... I don't like pancakes. <laughs> Come on, Mitch. The International House of Orphans and Widows, Inc., LLC, with the CEO, president, everybody's going to get their cut as it goes down. Is that how we're supposed to do it? Well, we could if we can find an example, a commandment. We've just been looking at all these commandments. Same principle. There's no authority for it. There's just no authority for that. And there are many more examples of, of, of uh, sending relief to, to, to saints, always to saints, always to saints. God didn't say. Now, you, you could take it down to the marijuana store. You could help out there or something. He didn't say we couldn't help out down there with, 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 with church money. He didn't say it. We couldn't. Based on this, he specified what we're to do with it and we're to do it. It's that simple. Now, that does not relieve individuals of doing your part and my part. You see somebody needs something, you, you help them and you give it to them. You help the widows and the orphans. We're commanded to do that as individuals. Sometimes we stand against things. Well, what do we stand for? You know, we, we're, we're supposed to do that. That's what Jesus wants to do. He just said, you can't do it with my funds. Now, that, that's radical. That's radical for 99, well, probably 95% of the world uh, denominations, including some, some of the church. Radical. You folks are narrow. Well, we're as narrow as the Bible is narrow. We're as restrictive as the Bible is restrictive. And we are as permissive as the Bible gives us permission. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8. He gives us some leeway in there. Use your brains. I made them for you. And we have every right to... Uh, to do certain things, but certain things we don't have the right. That's not popular, by the way, in most, most places, but that's just what the Bible says. And we see the principle all the way through there. Wait till we get to page 28. We're just getting started with all these examples. Go ahead, Gary. It goes all the way back to <clears throat> Yeah. No, that's good. So I want to use that as an example to set up Colossians 3, 16, 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. 
No, that's, that's good. Uh, we could go back to Cain and Abel. What did God say he wanted as a sacrifice? We don't know. But evidently, it was animal sacrifices. Now, I'm sure Cain's heart may probably was in the right place. He brought sacrifices from his agricultural stuff. God didn't say not to do that. I can read. Was God pleased with that? No, he wasn't. Evidently, God specified what kind of sacrifice he wanted, and that excluded all others. You know, Sean mentioned this the other day, and we just came through a singing, singing school and, and all of that. Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, we all know that. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another and how do we, first of all, it's speaking, right? Specified, something's going to come out of our mouth. Words. Yeah. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, you, you, I don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run just a little rabbit here, not, not too bad. The word melody there comes from the, from the Greek word solo, P-S-A-L-L-O. That's fact. In other places, that word, in the New Testament at least, solo is, is uh, singing is used. Now, in the Old Testament, this is true. In the Old Testament, solo meant to pluck on a string um, an instrument. In the Old Testament, that's true. In the New Testament, he specifies singing, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And if we want to take that solo as plucking or, or um, uh, we'll use plucking or twanging, Sometimes the way I sing is twanging. Plucking or twanging, what is the instrument in Ephesians 5.19? The heart. He says, yeah, I want you to pluck and, pluck and uh, twang. On your heart. Colossians 3.16, Ephesians 5.19. That's just what it says. And even uh, Vine's New Testament words, who's an expert in all this, will tell you he did not, the word uh, melody, what we use the word melody or sing uh, in the New Testament uh, has nothing to do with instruments, mechanical instruments. But even if you want to take that a little further and say instrument, I'll go with that. And the, the instrument is your heart. True? Don? As he broached the subject of Greek. Oh, please, Don, no, Don. That's the only Greek word I know. When you look at Colossians, the word singing in Colossians passage that you just quoted mm -hmm. is ado. It is not solo. It is A-D-O with a P-D-O stop of Okay. So you got ado there, and that is singing. And before that, you have the idea of teaching. Yes. So he even says that, teaching. Is the heart, yeah. And it's the stroking and touching and the, the effect on the heart which causes the pouring forth of the ado, teaching and admonishing. 
Uh, thank you. No, you're 100% right. I did read that. Just didn't remember it. Oh, my goodness. So God said, sing, words, melody, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Now, if we go this restrictive, permissive argument that we're working on, and wait till you see page 28. Um, what does singing, what's the commandment? I want you to go over into Hebrews, James, if any of you marry, sing a song, a hymn. That's that word, auto, I think. Five times. Five times, yep. What does that um, restrict us to based on all these things we talked about? Singing. Now, we understand that. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't say we can do that. I know. Well, that, that same principle goes through all the rest of the New Testament as well on these other things that we've already talked about. You specified singing, we sing. If we're playing, it's not like we can't afford a piano. We, we can afford a piano. It's not that. Do we have people here who can play a piano? We've got lots of them. It's not that. It's not that. It's, there's no scripture for it. He specified singing that by definition, all of what we've talked about, uh, deletes everything else. And as Sean mentioned, I'm coming to you. They understood that for the first 350 years in, in the church. There's not a record of an instrument ever being used till the Catholic Church started in 354, 356, wherever it was. Then you go over 1,000 years, over 1,000 years before any denomination rolls into first piano. People understood that then. They did. I'll go ahead, Chad. How did God command the tabernacle to be moved in the old law? Poles. Poles. You can, don't you dare touch that ark. You move it on poles. Well, time goes by, and what? It had been kidnapped and taken and for years, and they put it on a cart. Well, God didn't say not to put it on a cart, did he? He didn't say that. He said, I want it carried with poles. They put it on a cart. And we all know the story. The, the oxen stumbled and the cart, the tabernacle started falling. What did Uzzah do? Was Uzzah, did Uzzah have a bad heart? What was he trying to save? The ark? And he touched the ark. How'd God take that? How dare you? How dare you? 
uh, I gave you what I wanted to do and you used your own judgment and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. There's lots of things wrong with that. Number one, it shouldn't have been on the cart to begin with. Where were the staves, the poles? I don't know. They were trying to save the ark from the heathen. They were. Put it on an ark. Their, their heart was right. It appears. I said, don't you do that. So it just, it's, it's example after example after example. God specifies something. He expects us to follow it, and he doesn't need our help to make it better. Well, you know, it's the 21st century. Okay. Your point is? You think God could look out 2,000 years and see what we'd be doing today? His word valid then, his, va his word is valid today. And we cannot improve on it. People try, but we cannot improve on it. Because if we can, what does that imply about God? He's not good enough. He couldn't see out far enough. He wasn't smart enough. Yeah, we're smarter than he is. Uh, I'm not, those words are not going to come out of, my, out of our mouth. We're not. Well, I was hoping to be more of a class, but nobody wanted to talk much tonight. That's okay. Prepare to talk on Sunday. Yes, you can. So, so, speaking of Isaiah and David, permissive or restrictive, this was so important that God told Moses, I believe, that whenever there are kings, every king is supposed to scribe their own copy of the law. That way they would know exactly what was permitted or restricted That's a good point. Close, uh, thank you. I'll close with this. We, um, we've already made that point. I think I will close. Thank you, Lance. We'll close with your last remark. <laughs> Sunday, we'll, we'll get into more details. and Come with some questions or some thoughts, and, and we'll do that on Sunday. Thank you. Didn't mean to talk so much, but...